What is going on, everybody? Happy Wednesday night to you and yours. We are live here on the AAT Sports Network. This is the AAT Birds Weekly Report. I am Chip, a chip for the birds, joined by Johnny U, Johnny U9322. Uh, we are about a week and a day outside of the draft, and there is not a ton happening in the NFL. There are some things. Um, even some things that are Eagles related. And we know that the Eagles love to be in the news. So they have managed to sneak their way in a little bit today um, with two massive pieces of news that we must discuss. Like game-changing news, in my opinion. I, Johnny, I don't know how you feel tonight, but do you feel the news that came out of the Eagles camps today um, – is going to make or break the uh, Philadelphia Eagles 22-23 season. Well, I know the one that you're you're basically uh, pointing at is the message that I sent you before we started. Uh, yes. A former second round, well, former wide receiver now, second rounder, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, is now going to be transitioning over to the tight end position. So... It's we'll only think. like you know you know what it is. It's 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 like they um they watch our show. It, it has to be like they watch our show because we've been clamoring for this for I don't know how long has JJ Arcega Whiteside been in the league since 2019. Right, so since 2019 plus a day, um, we've been clamoring for this because JJ Arcega Whiteside is just not an NFL wide receiver, and we have enough non-wide receiver, wide receivers on our team uh, that we really just can't – we cannot stand to have the best blocking wide receiver in football in the wide receiver room. Now, I, I have to ask you, though, Johnny, is what does this do for Jay Jaw's career? Well, it's this is going to give him another, another avenue um, to – Try and prolong his his NFL life, if you want to say his NFL career. Um, you know, he's six foot two, two hundred thirty ish pounds. Um, he has the frame to add some weight, so he's going to do that. He's going to be a tight end. He's going to be a blocky tight end. But let's see, let's see, you know, where it goes for him. You know, maybe maybe it'll be a you know, a good transition for him. But he wasn't making the roster as a wide receiver, and we know. No. Because you look at the Eagles, and and we'll talk about a certain wide receiver who um, apparently is requesting a trade. So there's a couple out there, but you look at the wide wide receiver room, you're seeing all the mock drafts and all the talk about Eagles potentially uh, picking a wide receiver in the first round once again. Um, Tidbit, last time a team picked a first-round receiver in three straight drafts, it was the Detroit Lions in the early 2000s. Funny, f- funny thing on that though is they skipped a year and they didn't pick a quarterback, and then the following year they picked the receiver again, and that receiver wind up being uh, Calvin Johnson. So um, maybe the Eagles will get it right, but again, I think the Eagles are going to be adding to the wide receiver room. So JJ Arthur Whiteside was not going to be staying as a receiver, and this gives him an option to be a tight end because the Eagles' tight end depth chart. If you look at it, yes, you have Dallas yes. Goddard. Then after that. You know, Jack Stoll is a nice number three piece, a nice block. Sure. And um, you have Jackson there. 
And who's who who just got hurt? Yeah, he got hurt in week 18. He's most likely. I would be very surprised if Tyree Jackson plays at all this upcoming season. He'll probably be he'll start the year probably on the pup list. Um, but they, they may draft somebody, but with this news, I'm not sure how high they think about drafting a tight end because remember they still also have Richard Rogers, who's a veteran now. He's only, I think, 28, which is I thought he was a lot older than that, but uh, you still I feel have like he's him. been in the league forever. <laughs> exactly. You still have him on the depth chart as well. So this kind of helps them in an area of maybe not having to draft a tight end and they can focus on adding to the other holes that are on this roster. But again, we all know you like your JJ Ortega Whiteside. So my issue with JJ Ortega Whiteside is that you, you cannot argue that the most important position on an NFL team is the quarterback. You, you just can't. It has been proven time and time again. Right now, we are trying to settle a debate about whether or not Jalen Hurts can be the guy. And in order to really get a solid understanding of that, in order to really figure that out, you got to give the kid weapons. Weapons who can go and catch a football. Weapons who can get open. Weapons that can run a good route. Weapons that can hold onto a ball and get the ball at the high point. That can avoid being pushed out of bounds. Weapons that are legitimate weapons. And right now, you don't know what Jalen Hurts truly is. Look, we can say that he doesn't have the arm strength, and, and we do. And we can say that he has accuracy issues, and we do. But when all is said and done, I've seen quarterbacks with less skill sets succeed with less. I've seen quarterbacks like Joe Flacco win a Super Bowl. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Brad Johnson won a Super Bowl. These are guys who are are, 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 are they, they somehow won a Super Bowl because the pieces around them were good. So who's to say that Devontae Smith can't be exceptional and that Dallas Goddard can't take that next step into that next level tier of tight end? J.J. Arcega-Whiteside making this move is simply a, look, we're going to call you in. J.Jaw, here's the deal. We're going to cut you. It's going to happen. We don't have the room in the wide receiver room. We're going to take at least one wide receiver in the draft, probably pretty high up. Um, so you're not going to be a wide receiver on this team. Now, we like what you do in the blocking game. We like what you do in the passing game when you don't necessarily have the ball. So here's the ultimatum. You can still come to camp and get a chance by changing to the tight end position. Uh, what do you say? Okay. I said, this is this is an option, a transition that we've kind of been hinting at just because we have not been hinting, Johnny. We have been smacking it through the internet. Yeah, it just that's where you know when you say the receiver's best qualities is block is blocking, it really that doesn't really uh help you uh in no. it, it is not ideal. Yeah, it's not it's, exactly it's not an ideal situation to be a receiver that his best quality is blocking. So, you know, moving into a position that, you know, calls for blocking and, you know, whether he survives it, you know, time will tell. We will see. Uh, but, you know, this gives him another opportunity to, you know, come to camp and earn a job uh, on the 53-man roster as a tight end. So 
Um, and and as you mentioned, as you mentioned, the the Eagles tight end room, we, we can't we have to we have to stress this again. The Eagles tight end room, which used to be Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz, yep. right? And then whoever they had playing third, where it used to be Brent Selleck yeah, and Zach Ertz and whoever he had, or it used to be Chad Lewis and Brent Selleck, right? This Eagles team kind of over the last 15, 20 years has always had two great tight ends, two really good tight ends. We don't have that right now. So it kind of fits in line with what the Eagles think is successful. I just don't know if Jay Jaw is going to be the guy for that. They tried it with Jordan Matthews. It didn't work. Well, Jordan Matthews really – you know, I thought he was going to be a good possession type of receiver. Um, sure, he started, and he started out that way, but it just didn't. It just didn't go the way you thought. And moving him to tight end, or him moving the tight end, to me, I don't. I think they're different in the in the aspect of. I think JJ Ortega Whiteside is. I think he's more equipped to become a tight end with his body type and everything. He can add the weight. Um, I think he'll be okay if he puts on another. 10, 15 pounds. Um, but again, like I said, time will tell. We'll see. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for the guy. If the guy becomes a, a, you know, an average, a, a decent tight end, then Hey, okay. But you know, everyone's going to always point it and, you know, pinpoint uh, you could have had DK, you could have had DK and everyone keeps talking about that. And that's understandable. But again, all 31 teams other than Seattle and Seattle passed on him once. All 31 yeah. teams passed on him twice before he was selected. So, and we see it, we see it with the draft. You things come out, uh, but by the week of the draft and everything like that, you know, character concerns, red flags start coming out, you know, arrests come out, certain things pop out that drop people's draft stock, whether it's medical, whether it's personal, whether it's character, we see it all the time. Um, the one main thing that you think about when you think about, you know, character concerns is the Laramie Tunsil draft night with the the mask and everything, and how that and it didn't slip him too too far. But again, he slipped down. But that should have never happened. No, it shouldn't have happened. But like like that kind of stuff comes out, and you know, it's that's what this time of year is all about. I agree that it is. It, this is what this year is. This time of year is all about. However, making this move now says more to me about the Eagles' plans with Jaw than anything else. And it is very simple. We were going to cut you unless you at least try this. This is for the better of the team. He really doesn't have a choice. And if they cut him, then they cut him because he's not able to do it. I think that he does put himself immediately into the I – mean, I think he passes Jack Stoll. I think that he's right there with Richard Rodgers. <clears throat> but well, no one's throwing him in the wall. Let me let me say this. Uh, I don't think he's on par with Richard Rodgers. I, no, probably not. Like I said, he's he's in the bottom of, bottom of the barrel of tight ends right now. So, yeah. So that's – that's basically what I'm going to say with him. You know, he's got he's got a hill to climb if he wants to try to make the roster. He shouldn't have made the roster last year, but again, he did. So, um, not that there was ton of talent that should have superseded him, but again, 
I'll let you. I'll let you handle this one. Adam would like to know who's better, Rager or Whiteside, and how long until Jalen Rager says I'll play tight end as well. Yeah, well, Jalen Rager doesn't have the body size to play tight end. Um, Jalen Rager, I don't see being on the roster um, that much longer. Um, I could see him being dealt uh, possibly after, you know, possibly during the draft, they package it or after the draft. But uh, to me, unfortunately, Whiteside's only given you very minimal production. Rager's at, least, Rager's at least done a tiny bit of something. Not that it's a lot, not that it's much of anything, but it's still more than uh, Whiteside gave you. So, or uh, yeah, Whiteside gave you. So. There's that. And who thought we'd spend 15 minutes talking about J.J. Ortega Whiteside? That's the most we've ever talked about him. Ever. I'm just looking just for funsies um, and their career stats. I think Whiteside only has like 16 catches for, what, 130 yards or something like that? Whoa. How dare you slight him, sir? 16 catches for 290 yards. Oh, I'm sorry. He had 169 yards alone in 2019. Yeah, that's the only thing. Jalen Rager's career receptions, 64 for 695 yards. Yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of a simple uh who is who's better, but again, when you're you're uh, when you're talking about <laughs> I, think Jim, kind of, I, I think that Jimmy who who is you know joking about he said JJ should be a fullback. Jimmy, don't get me started on fullbacks. I believe that the fullback position must come back. But I think Jimmy is a little shocked about just how very how very bad those numbers are for first round picks and second round picks. Yeah, it's 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 bad. It's they atrocious. Don't... It is actually fireable, in my opinion. And then you throw in Andre Dillard as well and his career playing statistics. It's it's an abomination. Okay, so since you brought this up, it kind of leads no. into it's a good it's a good leading because it's something I wanted to bring up as well. Um, you know, how he talked and, you know, he, he spoke about the trade and, you know, a couple of different things and, you know, you know, him and Nick had a pre-draft press conference, but with this, I want to ask you this because listening to the press conference and everything for me, you know, how he kind of sounded like a little bit of a likable guy throwing, you know, freaking here and this and that. I think he sounded like an idiot. Now, listen. So <laughs> you talked about fireball offense with these guys drafting this. Okay, understandable. Okay. What teams do you say are great drafting or have great GMs? And give me a team. Give me a team that's that's usually, you know, a good team. You know, who do you think? Because I I'm kind of curious because it kind of brings up a topic that um, I did talk to one of our writers about, and I want your take. I mean, I think it's tough. No, so Jimmy, Jimmy brings one up. Ravens are a good one. Ravens, I think, are a good. One. But I, I, but before I even really answer this, I do think it's a tough question because it's really hard to, in the moment, evaluate whether or not you were successful. Right? It's very hard in the moment to evaluate your success. It is very easy by the end of the first season of a draft to go, wow, this was a mistake. But then we have the issue of, oh, well, we're, we're pulling the plug on these guys too quickly. For there to be three surefire misses in the first two rounds 
it's it says something. So, like, you look at a team like the Ravens. The Ravens have some success. You can look at other teams, too, where it's like, okay, well, maybe, maybe this is going to be a good thing. Like, you assume that the Bengals are going to continue to find their success. You know, they have the quarterback. Now they're going to put the other pieces around them. You can assume that these teams have the right picks. But with the Eagles, what I think infuriates me is that you look at these picks and you go, there is no way that was the right decision. So, but again, you bring this up. Now, let me, I'll get to the Ravens uh, for Jimmy, but I want to bring up a team like the New England Patriots. So you talk about surefire misses and you look in 2018, they drafted a running back, Sonny Michelle, who's no longer on the team in the first round. Um, you know, Isaiah Wynn, who's been playing, he's pre- pretty good offensive lineman. I kind of, I kind of want that's a good, that's a, that, I say that's a good pick. Sonny Michelle, sure. I say that, that's a, that's a miss because he's no longer on the team. The next year, Nick Harry. But, but hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I hear what you're saying, but how you're judging that I don't think makes a lot of sense simply because if you look at the player rather than the player to the team, like Sonny Michelle is now successful where he is. And, I wouldn't say he's successful. He's a he's a rotational type of running back. That's what he is. Okay. Okay. Running backs. Uh, he's a rotational. Type. He's not a terrible player. But here, wide receiver Nikhil Harry. Uh, I wouldn't say Nikhil Harry's having a really good uh, career. You want to lump him and Jalen Rager together, right there, two first round wide receivers. But when you look at a team like the Patriots, up until Tom Brady left them, they didn't need to rely on the draft. So, number one, they always pick towards the back end of the first round, right? They they always pick towards the back end of the first round because they're always, you know, high up in the playoffs or, you know, Super Bowls or whatever it may be. And they already had the pieces that they need in the way Bill Belichick runs things. You didn't necessarily need for your rookies to contribute. Okay. The so- Eagles needed their rookies to contribute. So how about this? I'm going to go to the Ravens, and I want to break down from 2016 because that's when uh, Howie came back. 2016 up into we could do 2019 because uh, we could do 2020 if you want or 2019. But I'm going to go to the first couple picks, so first and second round, and if they have any um, guys. So 2016, the Ravens had the sixth pick, and they picked Ronnie Stanley. Now, very, very good pick, but the thing about it is – He's only played seven games in the last two years. Right. So still, it, like it's it's still a good pick. Well, but again, was that his injury. was that his mo back when he was in college? I wouldn't say it was his it was his mo because he played when he played for them in 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019. He missed a total of. Say two, and then no two to four. So he missed a total of eight games in four years, and then uh-huh. he's missed. He's only played seven games in two years, and then but the again, next guy, Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl player. I mean, and the next guy you're going to say too, Marlon Humphrey, first Pro team Bowl player, Pro Bowl player, uh, first team All Pro, and then second round, uh, he they picked the off outside linebacker Kamalai Correa from Boise State, who's no longer in the league. Sure. I miss. I said everybody. And misses happen. Misses happen. But for you to go, okay, the Philadelphia Eagles are on the clock. They need 
to take a wide receiver. I wouldn't say they need to take a receiver. But they did. Well, they absolutely did. Okay, you have the choice between Justin Jefferson and Jalen Rager. Again, you're looking at in terms of Jalen Rager now because – No, even back then, Justin Jefferson played for a bigger college, put up bigger numbers, played at a bigger level. See, he was always going to be successful. Don't, would, remember what Mike said last week. I know. Don't don't say the helmets. I get don't spout the helmet because that's not always going to lead you to. Not... But You're here's on. my issue, and this and this leads into the Howie press conference. Okay. Right. This leads into the Howie press conference that he just had. Howie made a very big deal about how the wide receiver market this year is what is the position this season that is, you know, the, the mining industry and how one position every offseason kind of bursts and explodes all over the over the market, right? I think last year was more quarterbacks. You saw all the quarterbacks switching teams and doing things like that. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that. This season is wide receivers and you're seeing guys sign ridiculous contracts. Christian Kirk, I, I don't understand how he got the contract that he did. I, I just I don't. You know, Tyreek Hill, stupid amount of money. Yeah. Both of these guys are going to go play with quarterbacks that are not very good, right? They're just not. Here's my concern. Howie says at this press conference, well, we can do one of two things. We can either kind of do what the whole league is doing and you know just kind of be middle of the pack, or we can – we cannot be afraid to take chances and think outside the box. I'm sorry. You're smarter than everybody else to know that what you're doing is right. I'm not saying Debo Samuel's not a good pick. If Debo Samuel becomes available and it's a reasonable amount, you know what? Go ahead. Go get him. A.J. Brown, you know what? Go get him. These are good wide receivers. These are better than what we already have in the room. But for you to say we like to think outside the box, we are smarter than everybody else, is moronic, and that's what gets people angry about Howie Roseman. He acts like he's the smartest guy in the room. And when you have misses like J-Jaw, you have misses like Jalen Rager, you have misses like Andre Dillard, too many misses. Yeah, but again, you say too many misses, but they also got what players like, I think the twenty the 2019 draft when they got Dallas Goddard, Avante Maddox, Josh Sweat, Jordan Mailata. So, sure, guys that are still there. Jordan Mailata was one of those we're smarter than you guys thing, and it just has happened to work out. But again, but that's the rarity. Sometimes you got to go with the surefire pick. Listen, you look at a lot of GMs around the league, and no GM is perfect. And you, there's a lot of, like I said, thank you, Jimmy. Of, Shoulda, coulda, wouldas. There are, um, you know it. It is what it is. And again, yeah, Dalvin Cook is great, but again, he's been hurt the last two years. Running back shelf life isn't very long. And for me, running backs in this league are just completely forgotten. You, you look at really a guy like Christian, Christian McCaffrey, who always hurt. I was told. I was told to pick with. I had the number one overall pick in a fantasy draft, and 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 Mike said. You got to take CMC. I said, but his injuries concern me. I lost that league because of him. Yeah, you know, the one thing, though, 
is this press conference. The one question I liked, um, and Zach Berman from The Athletic asked it, and it was, what's your personal approach to scouting? How familiar do you get with all the prospects? How hands-on are you in the meetings? And, you know, it. now it was, it was posed to Nick, which I liked because um, he actually finally got a question. But now when you talk about, you know, you know, he watched the guys, but he doesn't know everything. And he leads to the guys, the scouts. He can watch on the offensive side of the ball, not defensive side of the ball. And then there was, before that, there was a question by Jeff McClain talking about, you know, where you're picking. You've done better pre-14 versus post-14. And he's going down the list and he's talking about, um, you know, when he drafted Andy Studebaker and then all these, you know, you mentioned two linebackers because Chris Gokong as well. And Oof. I think well, one don't thing, do that. That's that's not cool. Don't try know, Chris Gokong just in conversation casually. The other, How dare the, you. Other, the other thing that popped up that he talked about was about not reaching and kind of sticking to their board and going who's there, which they have Then their board is wrong. But you're you're making it seem like how he's making the board. He doesn't make the board. The scouts, the scouts are the one who helped them position the board and make the board and do that. It isn't just how he's saying, well, that guy's going to go there because that's what I think. I think you get a little bit of a false sense of what's going on because I don't feel that he says to the scouts, all their opinions don't matter. The scouts' opinions matter because you look at last year. Last year they draft Devontae Smith, Landon Dickerson. You know They had a good draft, and I think they can build upon that into this year. And they, I think they're starting to realize that you know, you don't go like you're drafting at 15, and the best player available is, you know, a wide receiver, or the best player available is a. I don't want to say safety because there isn't many safeties, but again, you're not reaching. You're not saying, "Hey, I need a defensive lineman. I need an edge rusher." But all the edge rushers went early. Are you going to go and pluck a guy who on your board? has a round two grade, but you're going to get it because you need that. You you need that need. I feel that that they're not going to be doing that. They're going to go with the best player available, whether it's the wide receiver, whether it's say it's a defensive tackle, not a defensive end or edge rusher. That I feel the different approach is going to be beneficial to the Eagles. than if they were to go ahead and say, we need that edge rusher, we're going to take him anyway. So I think there's a lot to look at when you're looking at this draft because also the Eagles have a lot of avenues in terms of do they trade for – do they use one of those picks and trade for one of these these receivers that are so-called possibly on the market? Or do they go and they trade up to get a player they like who slips a little bit? Do they trade back with a team who wants to trade up and get some more picks? That's what's so fun about the draft is because you never know what's I really going to happen. I think the draft happen. is awesome. And – I think that the Eagles with two first round picks and eight teams not having a first round pick, I think that there's so much maneuverability with them that I think that I don't think they pick at 15 and 18. I think either one or both of those are going to be, they're, they're going to pick at different spots. They're going to, they're going to maneuver because I think they want Do to, the Eagles pick in the first round. Oh, they'll pick in the first round. Okay. Oh yeah, they'll they'll pick in the first round. I'm talking maneuverability in terms of being able to go up a few spots and grab a player who's who drops, or you drop down and 
you still you stay in the mid twenties or so, but you still get a player um, of value for you. I think the thing that is concerning to me, and I have said this before, my evaluation of an offseason is based on what this team looked like at the end of the season compared to what they look like week one. Did they get better? Did they get noticeably better? If they do, then they had a successful offseason. If they don't, then they do not have a successful offseason. Right now, Yes, they added, you know, some defensive players, but they lost some defensive players as well, and they still have some big holes there. Offense, they have not done anything, literally anything, that is worth talking about. Not a single damn thing that's worth – I'm sorry, bringing in the dude from the Colts is just not it. It's just not it. This team right now is on par to be worse than last season because the tape is already out there on this team. I think you're a little bit overreacting. I don't. Little bit. Yes, they brought in Hassan Reddick. But they still haven't brought in a safety to replace people that are leaving. Rodney McLeod is a big loss. Yeah, but his game has slipped a little bit. Sure. But right now, it's not better than Epps. Or his game, I'm sorry, is better than Epps. Uh, I don't know. I think... Epps played very well last year and they're high on Epps. And I think you're just, you're looking, you're thinking of Epps of 2019 and 2020, you know, players do get better progressively. Yeah, better. This is a good point. Reddick was a discount signing agreed. So it was Kaiser white because we got, we have to depend on Gannon to use him right. And nothing that I've seen that again and says he knows how to use his defensive weapons. Nothing. Add that to the uncertainty of quarterback. Add that to the uncertainty of who he's actually going to throw the damn ball to. Add that to the uncertainty of an offensive line that, yes, was very healthy last season, but typically is not. The Eagles have to have two hit first-round picks this year. They have to have two guys in this draft that are able to contribute this season. But again, if you look at it along the lines of, it is only April 21st. The draft is next week. After the draft, you see what you get in the draft, and then after the draft, they'll probably pluck and they'll sign a couple guys, a couple veterans. Every team does. But switching it over to an acquisition of a player, like because they were in on Calvin Ridley. We all know that. We know that before he was suspended. They were in on Calvin Ridley. So what about a player like Debo Samuel? You know, possibly becoming available. But see, I thought about it, and I said, absolutely, right away. Absolutely. But the more and more I thought about it, he has to be used correctly. And yep. him not wanting to be used in the wide back and the way that Sam Fran used him and, and Kyle Shanahan used him in the offense, the only thing that scares me with him is if he's not used correctly and you're signing this guy to a big $20, 25000000 million a year contract. Yes, bottom of his $19 million is what I'm hearing. Yeah, so that's tough. My thing with it, I if I'm gonna take a pick of who I'd like, I, I'd love AJ Brown because I think he could do so many things for you. He's 24 years old. Um, not that Debo's old or anything like that, but I just think this, of course their skill sets are a little bit different. Uh Debo's more of a run after the catch, a yak type of receiver. Um, but I said my only thing is yes, I'd love one of those guys. Don't get me wrong. I'd I'd like one of those guys wholeheartedly. I'd love one of those guys, but 
the thing about it is you're trading more draft capital to at some point you actually have to make a damn pick and jimmy's been saying through the comment section all night that burks is his guy burks is his guy he's been used he was debo before debo was even debo like this is a guy now here's a guy who is young who is not um a little bit jaded to the NFL lifestyle. He's not demanding his way out of a league. I think the Burks would be a great pick if they can get their hands on him. But can Jalen Hurts get him the ball? Is that I, I like Burks. Um, I think he's high on the list because they did have a, a workout with him. You know, Moorhead, which is their wide receiver, Aaron Moorhead, their wide receivers coach, did do a workout with him and, and stuff like that. So I do think he's high on their board. Um, whether he's there at – he'll be probably there at, at 15, I'm thinking. Um, possibly not there at 18 with the teams that are in the middle, depending if the Saints yeah. play receiver or something along the lines of that. But, um, yeah, I, I'd like him. Um, but I, this is this is tough. This is a tough first round for the Eagles to kind of gauge because, one, they don't have three picks anymore. So you can't say, hey, they could do defensive lineman, corner, and receiver. You don't have that you know, luxury, but they need to get players who are going to be able to be, because they have five picks in the first 101 picks because they have the hundred, which is great. So you have five selections at a spot in the draft that you can get players that can make, um, that can be difference makers. And the other thing I was listening to um, Jim Miller and Pat Kerwin on the, on my way home tonight. And they, let out a list of receivers, top 10 in production over last year. Not one was a first round pick. Second, third, fifth, fifth, third, second, fifth, third. It actually may have went in that, that scenario, but again, not one first round pick. So what tells me is yes, you can go receiver in the first round. Um, or, Possibly get a guy in the second round um, that could be – because there's a couple guys in the second round that I like. I like one guy who's mocked in the second round a lot, but I think he's going to be pushed up into the end of the first round. Um, I don't know if they're going to like – there's some character concerns now uh, that came out today. George Pickens from Georgia. Um, I like him a lot. If he didn't have the ACL injury last offseason, I think it was, or last begin or the end of last season, uh, two seasons ago basically. So – uh, he would have been probably been a top ten pick. Um, just that's how skilled he is. Six foot three, a uh, little over two hundred pounds. He's very physical. He's a player I really like. But again, like I understand the, you know, drafting all these receivers and seeing what if it, they draft another receiver, I think that definitely pushes uh, Jalen Rager out the door. Also, if they trade for a big a receiver, it does the same thing. You know what it is for me? It's this is becoming right now. And, and don't get me wrong, the Eagles need to draft a wide receiver because they have missed on all these other wide receivers. Um, sp- specifically, Jalen Rager. But this is becoming the quarterback issue all over again. And the every single draft, we look at a quarterback. And every single draft, we look at a wide receiver. At some point, you must address the other 52 roster spots, the other 21 positions on the field. Yeah, you, you have to. We, we know that. And 
they need to come out of this draft with some players that they can start building that foundation with. But they don't. Instead, because we even heard Jeffrey Lurie go, well, I love offense. Great. I love offense too. Maybe you should get the players around Jalen Hurts or even a player for Jalen Hurts that can provide you with the offense. Because right now, you are just picking players that don't mesh. But the one thing that There's I find no mesh. But the one thing that I find funny is people will complain and say they need to get weapons for Jalen. You got to build around him. You got to build around him. And if they so happen to do that, then it's well, Jalen can't throw you the ball, so it doesn't really matter. It's just nothing but negativity. That's all it is. It's just people want to be negative because they want to bitch and complain about bitching and complaining. True. And no matter what they do in the draft, people are going to complain and not actually see it through. Because, like I said, if you look at 2019 draft and you looked at that draft in 2020 and 2021, you were like, eh, Vontae Maddox isn't playing that that great on the outside. Uh, he's played a little bit. He played they, a little bit in the slot. Josh Swift hasn't really played much. They need time to develop, sure. And that's sure. why you look at these other – it's why you look at these other drafts. You look at this coaching staff to be able to pick. And this is this is the second year that this coaching staff has the ability to um, be able to be there for the draft and be able to there be able to get players that are going to fit their styles and to be able to pick the, their type of players that they like. So, yeah. and Jimmy's saying here, you know, that's th- this this is his issue. Like it seems like they're not really helping him, and they're just saying, well. Or at least allowing Philadelphia fans to go, well, he's this and he's that. When they got him, you know, Pascal. Yeah. like They trade away. Jalen Hurts is a quarterback who would benefit from superior tight ends because that's where his arm strength is right now. Those shorter pass routes into athletic, big, shorthanded receivers, and instead they get rid of Zach Hurts. So it's they're actually taking weapons away. That's yep. where I struggle, especially when it's look. I, I'm I'm not going to forgive them for getting rid of Zacherts. I know there was a whole contract. Zach, you have to jump off the Zacherts ban. You have to jump but off. I can't, but I can't because if the move is going to be to a Kyler Murray type quarterback, and Jalen Hurts is that guy, then why get rid of the guy that benefited from having Kyler okay. Murray as his quarterback? So how about this? The end of the season happens, and Zacherts goes to free agency. You're signing him ten million dollars a year. You're not because they're not going to have two tight ends making that much amount of money, and he's just going to leave in free agency, and you get nothing. And that's true too. I, I with, totally get your point. Listen, same thing with Andre Dillard. Andre Dillard, the th- May second is when the fifth year option can be exercised or not. They're probably not going to exercise that fifth year option because it's a lot of money. Which means if you want to trade him and it makes him more valuable to another team, you need to trade him before May 2nd, which would mean you'd trade him either during the draft or before the draft to a team that needs an offensive tackle that could have him for two years if they extend him in that thing. So to me, it's not like, okay, well, we're just going to play with Andre Dillard and then basically just, you know, trade him and not get as much because. It's after May 2nd. So you have to get what you have to get. And we see it all in other sports. You got to kind of jump off that. Zach Ertz, yes, he played well for Arizona. Um, but again, Zach my, Ertz, my, my, 
Right. This is player my frustration was the my frustration was the the type of offense that you wanted to run. It would have benefited from having two elite tight ends. And right now you have one questionable elite. We're talking about the eliteness thing. Um, Jimmy, this is a whole nother show. Maybe we'll do this um, after the draft because I'm curious to see if any moves happen because of it. Um, I have my theories as well, and I would love to to delve into them. Um, yeah. Jimmy, your, your comments tonight are great. We missed on Dillard. Boom. Point blank. Don't be surprised. A team like Point Carolina. Blank. Carolina has no left tackle. Take them. Take them. So, Take them. Seattle also, they lost Dwayne Take Brown, em. and he's not re-signed. So there's still teams out there that need tackles. So Take them. And, like, again, that's why, you know, posted earlier today, a trade-up scenario to Carolina – giving them a left sure. tackle so they don't got to draft a left tackle that come 15, the quarterback is ready. So there's a lot of options the Eagles have still with Dillard. Just because Cincinnati's not not in the the realm of teams to be able to have him traded to, there's still options out there. There's still teams out there. There's a left tackle available. Teams want him. I, I disagree with this one. Uh, J- Jimmy, are you saying that Herbig is a miss or that they can take him? Because I actually think that Herbig has been very usable as a utility offensive lineman. I think he means that Herbig could be traded as well. Oh, sure. I mean, he's not like a you build a franchise around the guy, but as no. he's you know, a backup, depth, he's a quality. He's depth a backup. Guy. He's depth. He's great. He's great. Um, on a, on a, I know that we're doing football, but I'm I've got a game cast over here going. Can we have a conversation about how the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves? The Timberwolves were up by twenty points going into the fourth quarter and they've been outscored 35 to nine in the fourth. Oh, you didn't hear doc rivers actually is coaching now. He, all right, we're done with that. Uh, good basketball talk. <laughs> um, Stop that. All right, so other Eagles news, we can spend 30 seconds on this. Ready? Yeah. Cam Alvo retired thoughts. Uh, you know, a little surprising because he got some, some play late in the year, a big, you know, tall lanky guy, but again, he has other options. Good for him. He can, he did what a lot of people can't do. He played in the NFL, whether it was a short time, was it was a cup of coffee. People say, who's this guy? You know, he did it. He did what about 98% of the people in the world can't do. And that's play professional football. So, you know, good for him. Good luck on his future endeavors. Uh, but again, this also opens up an opportunity that there isn't much. You, you look at the, the edge and the defensive line and, I'll say edge rushers. Brandon Graham's on a one-year structure of a deal. Yes, a two-year deal. Hey, if he plays well this year, he'll probably be back next year. Brandon Graham, I know he mentioned, possibly this may be his last year. And there's a lot of talk and speculation that it could be his final season with the Eagles. Um, Teron Jackson is a second-year guy that we really don't know a lot about. You have right, John Reddick, develop. Hassan Reddick on the other side. But again, this is where the, this is why the Eagles need to draft an edge rusher. They need to draft. Like all these talks about trading these players. Draft. The draft is in draft seven days. It's in seven days. Calm down. You have to draft players. Like you can trade and say as many picks as you want, but this isn't like Monopoly. Like collecting properties isn't the way to go. Collecting draft picks isn't the way to go. At some point, you got to make the picks and actually see what you got. And they'll do that in one week. Is the first round then the second and third round, and then the rest of the draft. So don't worry. All right. I'm worried, Johnny. I'm worried. But it's going to be okay. That, I, think that's, I think that's a good way to wrap it up. I agree. 
We got some great sponsors here. First off, thank you to everybody watching and commenting. Um, Jimmy, Adam, Mike, I know you guys are all commenting. I appreciate you. Um, you guys rock. We could not do what we do without you. Um, great sponsors, Statement Games, Fun Free Twist on Fantasy Sports. Link in the bio. We have our aatsportsnetwork.com slash shop. Once we get some of these first-round picks, maybe some new shirts will appear. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe they'll be themed toward these players. Uh, symbols, stock market for sports. Use the code AAT Sports when you sign up. We also have Vinny's Pizza and Restaurant off of the Iroquois Trail in the Old Town Shopping Center in Allentown. Vinny's Pizza, PA.com. And then you can go to dinner. So do lunch and then dinner. Uh, same shopping center, stuff to the grills off of the Iroquois Trail. Same shopping center, stuff to the grills.com. We also have triple threat bets at triple threat wagers.com. Henny on deck. Henny on deck. Sorry. Hashtags throw me off sometimes if I'm not familiar with them. I'm like, Hen, Henny on deck. Henny on deck. Got it. Wow. The Grizzlies won that game. Get the hell out of here. They outscored the Timberwolves 37 to 12 in the fourth quarter. Well, so be it. Go Sixers. Go for the sweep. Brush it out. <laughs> um, what else we got going on this week? What other uh, program we got coming on the AAT Sports Network? So I know the guys will be back um, talking some union soccer, uh, you know, talking about their first loss and then the matchup they have coming up. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, I think Birds, Beers, and BS should be uh, coming back YouTube exclusive. Um, so keep an eye out for that as well. Uh, and then, of course, your show on – Monday, am I correct? Mm-hmm. Yep, Monday yep. night. Chip, so, chip and drip, chip and drip. So that'll be coming as well. Uh, Sunday, not to mention actually, an all new episode. Not to mention an all new episode of Fandemonium airing on Saturday. There is a brand new episode, and um, Sunday night actually is the Burning Bridges podcast. We did Ooh. not do we did not do last week because of course Easter Sunday. Uh, so we are doing it this Sunday. So definitely keep an eye out for that. Um, you know, we haven't heard Jeremy talk in a couple of weeks, so he should have a lot to oh, say. Man. Should be a, should be a pre good. pre-draft Jeremy. And keep an eye out. There are some awesome tweets. I will say that. <laughs> so, uh, but the draft is a week away. Our next show will be next Wednesday, the mm. day before the draft. Mm. And I think that we're going to do some fun stuff with it. Uh, I'm not sure if there's going to be any Eagles news. Probably not. If not. Most likely, uh, we're going to be doing a full first round mock draft. Have a little fun with it. Um, you know, we'll have, we'll put our thoughts in and see where teams are going to go and how they're going to make their teams better. But it should be fun. It should be very, It'll very be a good one. Should be very interesting and fun. And then we're still talking on uh, when we're going to have the post draft show uh, to discuss the Eagles picks and uh, when we're going to do that. And also, this Saturday is the two-year anniversary for All About the Birds. So that, that's another fun little milestone that we have. That's pretty cool. So That's pretty cool. We did it, guys. World's best cup of coffee. Exactly. All right. I'm Chip. That's Johnny. Make sure you are liking, subscribing, sharing, doing all that good stuff. And uh, as we end every show here on the AAT Sports Network and AAT Birds, a positive – and a very happy, and Peanuts checking in. Yep, two years, my friend, two years, and now you are a part of it, my friend. Uh, very positive and a very happy 
Go Birds! Go Birds!